This episode of Ragcast Outdoors is brought to you by PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Fish on! Hey, Radcast is on! Hunting, fishing, and everything in between. This is Radcast Outdoors. Here are David Merrill and Patrick Edwards. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of Radcast Outdoors, everybody. I'm David Merrill. And I'm Patrick Edwards. It's good to be back here at the Bowhunters of Wyoming convention once again. And for the third annual Rick Parrish episode. It's this always is, this is going to be like a, a steamroller, <laughs> <Yeah>. right? <laughs> well, uh, it's great to be back, guys. It's too bad it's uh, once a year that we get together because uh, we always have a good time. But hey. It means uh, we're upright. Things are going good. And so, you're still out hunting. I saw on the wall or out, out on the trophy display out there, you've still got a lot of animals this past year. So you had a good year. I did have a good year. We're, we're heading on to go skiing in Jackson for the next couple of days. So uh, I didn't bring my elk or, or my bear skull over, but I, I did have a good year. So first time in, I think I look back at like 24 years that I didn't kill a mule deer. So, but uh, hey. I, I got a couple nice whitetail bucks, so I can't complain about that. No, you can't complain about that. And we were talking about it. You hadn't done a bear in Wyoming yet. No, I had. And this is a first. Yes, it was. It was, you know, we ran into each other in the woods, and I guess I won out. I, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, yeah, it was cool. And I'll, I'll tell the bear story so that um, in a minute. But, yeah, no, it was, uh, it was a fun year. I, you know, uh, I'd been hunting mostly the last, you know, multiple years um, down in the southern part of the state and so uh, I drew a, ta- a good tag up here in the bighorns with my son and I was uh, hoping I was up to the task because it was a lot of deep canyon hunting you know I, I went up three days before the season I killed my elk on the 23rd so I weathered the storm and made it through but it was, it was fun to just be up there and not came down a couple times to just take a shower and that was it so <laughs> so you know you when you start uh, seven or eight days in you always uh, like I better go shower yeah, it's good to freshen up after you've been working hard in the mountains. I'm, I'm sure of that. Yep. So, so yeah, like I said, it's great to be back with you guys, and I appreciate you having me on. It's always fun to, to just sit and uh, shoot the breeze. And so I'm um, looking forward to telling a couple stories, though. Yeah, so this year, I do want to hear about the bear hunt. So what are all the tags that you went after and filled this year? So you got your elk. Well, um, I, I got an elk. I got a bear. Um, I got a turkey. I got my second choice antelope and got a fairly decent antelope for the area I hunted in. I'd never hunted in it before and uh, went out. I located 12 uh, different water holes um, via Google Earth and Onyx. Went out looking on a day that was only 105 degrees and what was funny is I went to the farthest edge of my unit and started working backwards. I only found one water hole that had any sign at it and others, some of them I couldn't get to, some were too large, some were dried up and it was funny, the close one to me to drive to uh, was about an hour away. It was an hour and a half, I mean a mile and a half hike out to it and it was just perfect and it was just loaded with antelope tracks and I saw a bunch of antelope so went out there as a typical hunting situation. I found it you know like at about 7 30 8 o'clock at night. 
hiked back to the truck a mile and a half, grabbed my blind, grabbed all my stuff, realized I didn't bring my post pounder. And if you don't put in T-posts with an antelope blind in Wyoming, it's going to be in South Dakota. <laughs> when I lived down by Cheyenne, it would have been in Nebraska. Oh, but, yeah. So what was funny, I, I staked it down best I could, got it all set up, had all my stuff in there. So the next day, my wife and me were going up to uh, Metal Ark Lake with her mom. Her mom is 88, so we just set her alongside the shore in a book, and she's always happy. And we go out in our kayaks out there. And so I said, hey, I got to stop by and go put some T-posts up out there. My wife, it was another 105-degree day, as we had a bunch of them this year over yeah. there. And... She got about 250 yards out and said, you know, I think I'll just sit in the running truck with my mom. And so <laughs> I made quite a few trips out to that uh, <laughs> that uh, antelope blind. So, But but it was fun. Uh, had a lot of antelope come in, got some really nice pictures. I should have put a couple in, some reflection pictures. The water was just perfect with antelope standing in the water. Oh, cool. and called one Kissing Cousins because it was, looked like yeah, you can't really tell which is the real antelope or what is the reflection. So it's pretty cool oh, because cool. of the sky was the same color so well that's awesome well tell us about this bear because you you said you hadn't harvested a bear in wyoming you, nope not all, until this year nope in all my years i had not um i shot a couple in canada and a couple in alaska but i had never shot a wyoming bear usually when i go out in the spring it's just to walk around look for bears it's uh, taking my bow for a walk as some people will say or whatever but oh, hiking uh, <laughs> yeah, it's actual bow hunting. But so, in, and in fact, with I'm getting cabin fever. I've been going through my pack. I bought a new pack last year up at that MAF shoot up in uh, at Antelope Butte, initial ascent uh, out of Idaho. And, and because I knew I needed a pack that uh, I, if I killed something, I needed to pack it out. And I, at Antelope was the first thing I took the whole antelope out in it. But they make good packs. Um, really enjoyed that pack, and uh, so anyway, sorry if it's a plug for somebody, but uh, <laughs> that's but, fine. Uh, you oh, know. No, there's there's a bunch of USA made packs. There's one of them there, and they, they're all going to fit somebody a little different. And they all have a little yep. bit different features, and yep. you can't go wrong getting one that's made here in the states. Yep, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. So anyway, uh, so like I said, uh, I've been repacking my pack, getting ready to go on my bear walking adventures uh, as soon as the <laughs> snow in the Sheridan area melts because it is bad up there. And we're supposed to be, I think we're getting a bunch right now as we're speaking. So I know Patrick's but, got some cabin fever. I got some pa- cabin uh, fever. This this year, we're I, I want to do anything outdoors. So yes. you got the new pack at Mountain Archery Fest. Y- yes, and uh, they're going to be back again this year. Uh, we're going to be there with All right, Spider. Fantastic. Yeah, it, it was fun. Um, we'll have to go out and shoot because, I mean, shooting that, uh, and I think they're going to have it back, um, the Pope and Young World Record co- Course, you know, to just see those, you know, because they're realistic antler sizes and stuff on them, and you get to shoot at the distances that the people shot. Their animal. That's at. a cool course. So, so they have a, a placard there telling the size of the animal, how far they shot it, when they shot it, blah blah blah, and so that's how they set it up. So, you know, some of them are, you know, 15 yards, and so, you know, I was two longest shots were 50 yards, and uh, I think one was a what was it? Uh, a, one was a bison, and I can't remember what the other one was but most of the shots were like in that 30 35 yard range which was really nice so realistically in the field you know i've got a single slider sight and you know i like to practice at distance 
Tri- triple digits, right? Well, you know your bow's in tune if you can uh, shoot long distance. Certainly, but on a real animal with real brush in a in a live dynamic situation where I'm breathing heavily, maybe got some adrenaline going, I really like 20, 30 yards. That's, a, that's that slam dunk range. We start getting into 40, 50. Now limbs, sticks, twigs, animals can move. You start getting into 60, 90. I know guys out there can do it. I'm not a proponent of it. Let's yeah. let's reel the distance in, guys, a little bit. And the yep. difference is, at 90, it's a maybe. At 60, it's a probably. At 30, it's pretty much a done deal. Yep. Yeah. And that sort of came up during a discussion today, that uh, the panel discussion that we had earlier here about, you know, that, that limitation. And just because some other guy can do it, like, you know, Levi Morgan, you know, he you see that he shoots a lot of stuff a long distance. Well, he was a world world-class archer and and let's let's face it guys uh only a small percentage of people in the world are like world-class or get to go to the nfl or get to play in the nba you know and it's even those guys though it is you know i mean i question their shooting that long because it's a real it's it's not a target it's it's a living breathing animal and i mean i'd, I'd like to shoot everything because i'm pretty good at 15 yards and I'd like to shoot everything at 15 yards. Mm-hmm. Get up close, man. Get <laughs> up hunting close. is about getting rifle close <laughs> and then figuring out how to get 75% close. Right? Yeah. Yep. And Absolutely. there's a, the real world happens when you when you go from 250 yards on elk to 25. Yeah. So that's the excitement of it. We're not here to. Oh. I mean, if it was just harvesting, well, let's. And this is a question I want to broach: is at what point in time does technology? take over at what point in time do i have a euthanizing dart attached to a drone with you know infrared scope and i sit on my computer at home and drive it up behind the animal dart it and walk up there and harvest it and hang my tech there is a line somewhere i don't know exactly where it is but 147 yards on a mule deer with a bow is beyond that line and there's guys well i can shoot that on paper yeah and they tried it in the field and that mule deer is not harvested so let's reel the distance in guys that's what bow hunting's about i can't remember the name of the i was every once in a while uh, when it's uh, i can't get outside to do or anything i was looking at youtube and i can't remember the gentleman's name that teaches these classes and really on release techniques and stuff and so before his class he has everyone write down what their effective range is and then he lines it up out there on a steel target <laughs> and then this whole class they don't know what the other so so he'll call your name and you step up there and he said okay let's go to 50 yards and it's just in the video i mean it's just boing, hilarious boing boing, boing boing absolutely and so so yeah i think you know steel and, and gets in your head rick i will tell you that <laughs> I, I tried a 38 yard shot and i can I can pretty well smoke stuff at 38 yards, and I had to take three shots at a total archery challenge to, to get an arrow <laughs> through the steel. I am going to throw a kudos out to Gold Tip because they're a kinetic chaos arrow. I stuck it in the steel, went and pulled my arrow, checked it, put a new field point in, and shot it again. And there's wow. very few arrows on the planet besides that kinetic chaos that'll do that. Wow. Yeah. That, that's, that's pretty impressive. So, anyway, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if we want to go down that road of. I, I think that. Everyone knows. I mean, I passed up 15-yard shots back when I shot a recurve because I just, I, I just wasn't there. Um, and I passed up other shots too that you know, God, that just seems far today. And then I'll range and like, oh, no, you know, what, what were you doing? It's uh, one of those situations that 
you know, you have to be your own self policeman. Yeah, you, you need to, you know. and, and the easiest way for me to, you know, I guess I posit this is take a paper plate or take a four inch circle either way. Start shooting at it and back up. When you pull one arrow out of the four inch circle or one arrow, one broadhead off the four inch, eight inch paper plate, half the paper plate distance or keep the four inch circle distance. Either one. But if you set that limit in your backyard with your equipment and you stick to that in the field, and for me, the paper plate's about 55 and the four inch circle's about 45. So if I'm a 50 yard shooter, right? Somewhere in there. And on a good day, paper plate's 80, 90. No joke, but four inch circles, 40 yards, yeah. right? So if I don't go beyond that in the field, every time I pull the triggers, it's going where it's supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Dawn, dusk, wind, elevation, up, down. You know, there's so many parameters. So, well, here's what someone told me once. You know, if you don't take the shot, that animal's there tomorrow for you to go after again. Makes a lot of sense. I think I'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. So we preface this a little bit, and I don't want to turn this into YouTube and David and Bow Spider, but we did talk a little bit about my trip up north, and I didn't get a bow kill, right? And they're on film, I'm at 78 yards from a billy bedded, and I saw an opportunity to get about 45 yards. So we duck back down the ridge and start moving up. Well, there's a nanny and a kid that was bedded on film just behind him and above him, and they did not like that. So when we repositioned about, it was about a 50-yard further stock back down the hill, forward, and then come back up in the saddle. And we're going to be right in this Billy's. It was going to be a 40-yard shot instead of 78, and the wind was ripping. That was the, if, if there had been no wind, I may have just decided to take a poke at him from right there, right? I... I made the call. In hindsight, was it the right call? I don't know. He's, he's still there to take a shot at tomorrow. But we pull up over that saddle, and they've all grouped up at about 35 yards. There's 15, and I, I didn't hurt you. So I didn't get to take one with the bow, right? Right. But it's that I, I had the fun. I got on film. I'm there like, hey, I could take this shot right now, but I think I can get closer, and I'm going to try. So let's hear about this bear. Well, um, I have to preface the bear on, um, I was actually elk hunting (laughs) and elk scouting beforehand. So being retired, you know, uh, I was up in the mountains quite a bit before the season. Don't rub it in too much now. (laughs) I'm not, you know, this is generic. I can't even remember their names. So anyway, but I've been up scouting and I've been running into these guys in a a pickup truck. And it was three guys that had drawn that area from Wisconsin. And uh, they were out doing, they were, you know, this was like three days before the season. And that was their first day there. And then I ran into them on the second day in the morning. Kudos for them showing up before season and trying to do a little homework instead of just showing up and driving around and scout while season's going on. But, you know, I sort they asked if I'd been seeing anything. I said, well, you know, I've been up here on and off for a month and stuff. Well, on one side, um, kudos to them. And on the other side, (laughs) no, no to them. They started uh, actually scouting me then. And uh, (laughs) I caught them a couple times. I was out on some points uh, and I'd see that they were looking at me through binoculars or a spotting scope. And uh, the day before the season here a couple of my I had five or six spots I was going out and scouting from and here they were at two of them <laughs> yeah, there. three guys at your spots yeah and one of them was where I wanted to go opening day that I had a, a water hole that had a, a 
seep running down to it and there was a wallow there and then there was a wallow but it was out in a pretty open area so it was like 80 yards roughly um, from from the tree line but there was two trees that stuck out a little bit and I could get underneath the boughs of those and be 65 yards away and that was too far for a shot but they'd been feeding between in my several observations they'd just been feeding all over the area I'll put it that way that's easier to say so so to get to the bear story, opening morning, I go hiking down there and I crawl in under my boughs and hoping to have some action coming up. It's, it's about an hour before first light and I'm laying there trying to catch a little, and I'm like, wow, um, I can't remember the term for it when you hear things in your ear. Uh, tinnitus. Tinnitus. <laughs> yeah, thank you, uh, Patrick. Um, and I'm like, did I just hear a radio? So I'm sitting there a little bit more, and it, you know it's really quiet. And how can I hear a radio? And, and, and am I going crazy? What's going on here? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it changed a little bit, and I realized, oh, that's human voices, you know, which would have been on a radio. But I thought I was down here because you know it's about a mile and a half off the road. So I go around the corner, and sure enough, uh, two of the guys from Wisconsin are right there, and so. They had obviously beat me down there. They would have walked by me. So I said, well, I said, you guys are down here. Um, I said, I'll just go off. I tried to play it low key so they didn't know what I'd been seeing. But there had been 12 bulls hanging out in that area. And uh, so I took off and went in a different direction. Well, when I came out that afternoon, I saw where they had parked to come in, which sort of was crazy because they would go right through the area where elk would possibly be feeding out in the sagebrush. So uh, anyway... Went back, had lunch, come out, and I went to check to see if their truck was still there. It wasn't. So I parked back where I did, you know, way down and where I come down through the woods all the way, or on the edge of the woods, and I get get in my spot, and I've been there for some time. And the woods behind me arched back about 30 yards, so it was sort of a tree line that made a big bow back, and then these two trees were out here. And there were some elk uh, trails that came out there and some rubs and stuff. So I had, I had ranged them and I'd been sitting there for about an hour. And all of a sudden I hear something. I look up and hear one of the guys is coming down and he walks up to me and he says, um, just wanted you to know I built a little blind over here, just the side of you over here. And I'm going to be hunting here all season. And uh, I was like, well, okay. Sort of, you know, I, I can't say what kind of an attitude I had at that time, but uh, I was a little miffed. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're, he's, he's essentially trying to kick you off public land, and you're sitting there, like, <laughs> my blind's right there. You know, you it's know, a little posturing and territorial I display. You know, and uh, in a minute I'll tell you about his blind, but, you know, I didn't, I had just got the duff out. I was, I didn't do anything for a blind. I mean, it, it sort of gave me a nice little spot where I was at. Later in that evening, well, uh, I did have a five-point bull come out, and he come down to the wallow, and he's splashing around. I got on film on my phone and stuff, and so that was pretty cool. He finally left, and he went to the west from me. Woods are behind me to the east, and about a quarter to seven or so, I heard something behind me, and I turned and looked, and here already, a bear's walking out behind me. And it probably been out of the woods for about 30 yards, and it's it's walking from my right to my left from behind me. And my bow's laying on the ground. By the time I reached down slowly and pulled it up, he'd, he'd made it another, you know, probably 10, 15 yards. And I started drawing. He caught that and spun back and ran back and stopped right in front of a, a tree that earlier I had ranged at 30 yards. So I shot, and I thought my shot was uphill, 
behind me. I thought my shot was a little high, and it tore into the tree and made a ruckus. I was really, really thick back there. And I heard it go for about 80 yards, and then nothing, and I'm listening for a death moan. Well, I wait a half hour, and I go up there, and it's getting pretty dark now. And I'm, I'm looking. I mean, you can shoot out into the open, open you can't but shoot into the timber. In the trees, yeah. And I didn't hear a death moan. I can't find any blood. I can't find my arrow. And I'm just like, I'm not going in there. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, on a bear, you know, their fur so, um, soaks up blood, and there's not a good blood trail a lot of times on bears and stuff. And so I thought I'd go down and tell this guy because, I mean, it ran right behind him. So I go down there, and he does have a really nice blind. He'd cut some boughs and made a little fort, you know, like a kid's fort in there. And he had it. he had a little chair in there and everything. And I was like... I come walking up, and the first thing he looked up and he said, did, did you shoot an elk out from underneath me? I had a neutral attitude. It sort of went on the other wrong side of neutral, I guess, after, yeah. that. after that comment. And I just, said, I just said, no, but I just wounded a bear, and he's in the forest behind you here, and I just thought you should know, and I turned and walked off. I never did see him in there again. <laughs> He's probably like, oh, shoot. I'm sorry if you're the, the kid that built the blind and listened to this, but this is funny. This is great. So that, that was my bear story. And I came back the next morning, and uh, it was it was right there about that where it ran into about 80 yards and went silent. Uh, so I, I looked around for him and uh, never never saw him there again. I saw him out on the road, but I didn't see him down in that area again. So He didn't want to mess with your black bear. <laughs> he did say, I guess I, one thing he did say, he goes, oh, you can shoot those and I was like yeah so anyway but but yeah I was I was probably that wasn't the nicer side of me but uh I, I just thought you know I warned him there there you go I warned him yeah and there's nothing wrong with that I mean and the thing is it's public land it's gonna happen and we have had this conversation about ethics and you know there's everybody needs to play some ethics in here right whether mm-hmm. it's legal or not take fishing for example if I'm down there in the fishing hole walking right next to me and standing a rod's length away and casting right over my line. If, yeah. if I look up and down the bank and there's nobody up there, go 500 yards up and fish another hole, right? And then when I move out, come on in. You yeah. Know? yeah. And there's, there is that etiquette. And if you're new to the sport, grab a mentor. Maybe do what you do unto others, right? The golden yeah. rule. How do you want to be treated? You know, I yeah. float, I, my wife and I love to fish and we float the bighorn a lot and there's a couple of really nice holes. And if, if someone pulls you know downstream quite a ways away from us and stuff instead of hogging right in we'll limit our time because we're like okay we caught a couple out of here let's let's move on let them in here you know and if everybody keeps that flow going you've got 20 boats on the river and everybody's just pausing for a few casts in each hole yeah. you, you don't get that pile up yeah and so so i'm a lot more amenable to uh you know someone that shows me respect to mm-hmm. getting getting them in there and you know and a lot of times i'll talk to them and say yeah this you know i'll tell them what i'm catching them on. i'm gonna it's be hunting a, here all season yeah. just so you know <laughs> yeah that, i'm gonna, that, I'm gonna yeah. fish here the rest of my life well, you just know, so I, you know I, I, I mean with some of the stuff that um, patrick catches i can see i'm fishing here all year and i'm gonna leave my kids here to keep save my spot while I go home and eat. <laughs> uh, you know, Patrick Sorry, I just had to, I had to throw that out there. Well, there, there is That's some awesome. posturing in the in the fishing holes, especially oh, yeah. on Kenai. You know, Patrick and I were up there last oh, summer. Yeah. And oh, yeah. we, we had a little bit of, and I, I looked at everybody, I'm like, I've got uh, my, my son King Butters there, right? And uh, <laughs> we had fun, but here we were with a nine-year-old trying to get him on a fish. You know what? Yeah. 
you're and there's a couple old crotchety guys that are there every day that get in their limit and this is my spot and my rock and i'm like guys for an hour just just get out of the way let this kid catch a fish because and and we need to you know we all get the blinders on and yeah i want to kill a huge elk and yeah i want to harvest a big walleye and we want to do that stuff but we do need to share the resource and and you know you don't know maybe maybe that person you're having encounter with it's their first elk hunt it's their first fishing trip and if you make that negative they're not coming back and then when a when a bill comes before the legislature that is anti or fishing or hunting or or public land use they're like man i was out there and got harassed and i don't think anybody should be utilizing that resource so we we are our own worst enemy in that regard yeah it can be it can be contentious the best thing to do is try to not make it so contentious just like rick was talking about i mean there's just no point in it right like it doesn't do anybody any good so there's another ridge there's another stream yep good time to to reel up and go somewhere else and a lot of times you can still be in the same vicinity and it's not that big of a deal right like yep. that's, that's one of the things especially I these tell limited people. entry tags yeah. you know yep yeah so, so i want to hear about your turkey too because oh. that, that was quite the story <laughs> of uh, the turkey that could no <laughs> turkey that could. well in the sheridan area we have a, a ton of white tails especially on private property and stuff and i'm fortunate enough to have a couple of private properties that i can go and hunt on and so they need some white-tailed does killed. So, and I have a lot of friends that like white-tailed doe meat. I've been doing this for years where I, I mean, probably for 20 years that I shoot additional does for deer management and give to friends. I was on this one, I made a good shot on a, a doe. I'd built a hay bale blind, guys, this in my garage last year. And it lived, <laughs> and it's pretty nice. On my birthday, my wife surprised me. Her and her girlfriend were being, I'm, I'm a big Stevie Nicks fan. I went to saw Fleetwood Mac when I was 18 years old and have been ever since. So they, they put in there on, on my birthday in July, they, they went out and they decorated my uh, hay bale blind, put Stevie Nicks posters all over and it had chairs with candles in there and said, oh, Stevie on it and stuff. So yeah, my <laughs> wife, my wife likes to give me a bad time. So I left the posters in there, but uh, I was hunting out of my hay bale blind. Out of your Stevie Nicks blind? Yeah, my Stevie Nicks blind. I shot a white-tailed doe and she ran about 35 yards and expired. And so I went hiked back up to my truck and I could drive it down to about 160 yards away from my blind. I had taken and drugged the doe over underneath of a tree in the shade because I wanted to get a picture and I wanted her in the shade before, you know. And So as I got out of the truck, this side, the side draw coming down into the stream that I was hunting where I killed this doe, here comes nine gobblers, and I mean, nice big gobblers. And I had a turkey tag, and so I grabbed my bow and one arrow because I, I have a pack. I, I don't like a quiver on my bow because when I hunted down in the in southeast corner, it was always windy, and to have your bow up and the wind hitting it, so I kept I keep my bow as lean as I can. And anyway, so I grabbed one arrow and my bow, and I ran down to where I could intercept them. I'm hiding behind this little plum bush, and here they come out, and I thought it was about 20 yards of course, I didn't have my range finder either because I'd taken my binoculars off. The, they wouldn't stop. And fi- so I started making some weird noises at them. The fourth one finally stopped in line. And I pulled up, shot. Well, he must have been closer to 25 because I was a little low. But I went through the breast. I was trying to hit the butt of the wing. But it broke his off side leg. 
and all the other ones took off flying while he took off running. He looked like he was pretty slow. Well, I must be a lot slower because I couldn't catch darn thing. <laughs> Censorship. <laughs> Here you're with no arrow. You got a, a stick and a string. Yeah. I could just see you jumping and, out of the blood and well, chasing no, this turkey yeah, down. Yeah. yeah, well, I was standing out in the open behind a bush at the time. But so, so now I've run probably another 100 yards. So now it's two, you know, 250 yards back to the truck. So I run back there, get an arrow because I'm not going to catch him and I was like I didn't have a knife either I mean I don't think can you wring a turkey's neck good question this is a good plus, question, a great question. You, I have no idea him by the neck I was like that thing could spur you oh yeah 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 so you know they're I, not I, small no, it's not like not, a pheasant they're not small <laughs> and before you before you preface that I pheasant hunting on Ocean Lake had a buddy who has pheasant holders that go on his belt uh-huh shot a pheasant dog brought it back he clips it on his belt about five minutes later it starts spurring him on the leg and he mm-hmm. it, it left marks it, oh, it was yeah so that's a that's a, like a what a pound bird so now we're talking a 10 pound bird i no, i don't know that I, I bet you he was a 15 pound bird i, I, I don't so, know that i'd want to tangle with one so yeah. if there could have been a film of me right then the look on my face is i don't know what to do with this you know i mean really because okay <laughs> I mean, my decision was finally to go get another arrow and try to shoot him, but I was like, I don't think I can wring his neck, and plus, he's pretty big and seemed pretty in pretty Spry. good shape yet. <laughs> I just didn't know, so I ran back, got another arrow. I should have grabbed two, but, um, you know, I was, I was excited, so I run back, because this is my first Wyoming turkey. I'd, mm-hmm. I'd shot two in North Dakota back, um, you could shoot them with guns, you know, when I was in college. But I come back down, I can't find him. You know, I knew what direction he went, so I'm walking along. Finally, I spooked him up, and he's still moving pretty good, but he slowed down a little bit. I got I got up to where I could get about 20 yards from him, and he stopped. I, I put one right, right in the back and sort of pinned him to the ground. But um, again, when I get up there, he wasn't quite dead. And uh, so I, I went over and sat on a log for a while and let him finish off because I didn't know about wringing a neck on a turkey. So there, there's my weird turkey story. We're going to have to get a turkey expert on Radcast just to talk about can you wring the neck of a turkey? There you go. On you know. Yeah, so, so yeah, you know, again, no binoculars, so no spotting or uh, range finder on, no knife on me, because that's in my pack, which is laying mm-hmm. in the truck, which has all my arrows, you know, so yeah, totally, well, yeah. And you had to run, right? So, you, oh, yeah. I mean, you're probably huffing pretty good, because you had to run back and forth. Yeah. Um, I, I would have liked an aerial drone or a, a wide-angle <laughs> fish lens of watching this whole thing take place. Well, when he's, you know, I chased him for a little bit, thinking, well, I'll just catch him and, yeah. you know, stop it. But when I realized I'm not going to catch him, then the, I'm sure I just stood there and had the weirdest look on my face like, well, what do I do here? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> that is a good question. Yeah. So it was, it was fun, you know, and then, so it was pretty cool. You know, I got to take a picture uh, in my first turkey. So I was excited, you know, uh, with a bow, you know, so I had this mm-hmm. doe down in a turkey and I thought that was a, a, a great cool. double, a great double day, you know, so. I had a double day kind of similar to that a few years ago where I got my pronghorn antelope in the mo- morning and then I got my limited walleye in the evening. And so I had, you know, kind of the the cast and blast kind of deal. Cast and blast, you know, you, yeah. You you got your your poultry and your venison, you know, in one day. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. No, that would have been a picture that I would not have anticipated with an antelope there and then holding up a limit of walleyes oh, yeah. over the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. I did. I did take a picture, I, and I still have it of, you know, some 
I can't remember if it was the tenderloins or whatever that I had thrown into a vacuum seal bag, and then I had a vacuum seal bag of fillets from the walleyes. I was like, you know, this is a really good day. This is the way to do it. That is. I mean, yeah. that's why we live in Wyoming. Heck yeah, yeah man. We can do that kind amen of stuff. Amen to that. So, yep, amen to that. So, yeah. Well, you had the uh, opportunity to sit down for the uh, meeting this morning with Bowhunters Wyoming, and I know you've had a, a long history with them. Is there anything pertinent going on? With the club. I got elected uh, to Area 3 rep again. I, I was a couple of years ago, and then we had a young man, uh, uh, Tony Osler, Osweiler. Um, sorry if I boogered your name there, Tony. Um, he lived in Gillette, and so we had a lot of BOW representation in, Shy, in Sheridan. So I said, yeah, you know, and but but Tony moved down to, uh, to Cheyenne, so he wasn't... Uh, uh, able to stay as the area rep and uh, so yeah we had a couple people run me and another person and it was real close And uh, but there was somebody that didn't like me and voted uh, a couple people voted more for me and I, I'm back in the position <laughs> yeah, there you <laughs> go. didn't like you and voted more for <laughs> yeah, you voted me in well I think it's good work. to have some new blood and some old guard in the organization and yeah. keep some consistency but definitely get some fresh ideas and we yeah. need to be recruiting the next generation yeah. for sure so yeah you know, when you talk about old guard, you know, I mean, the, uh, in 1985 was the last time we had a uh, BOW convention in Riverton, and that was Fred Asbell was our guest speaker then, and Fred has just passed recently and stuff. But, yeah, so it's great to be back in Riverton after since 1985, you know. Um, wow. It's, it's been a long, long time, and I, I think I joined in 84, so I've been a member for a long time, and too. There's, and there's some really good attendance here in Riverton, which is wonderful to see. Yeah. A lot of participation from vendors. Everybody can hear the background noise. I mean, this place is packed out. It's great. Um, yeah, um, lots of great auction items going on, great vendors. Um, it's good to see. You know, I think uh, I think we're in about the 270 range for uh, the... Yeah. That's great. And this is for not just banquet. for Wyoming residents. we got people from, from other states coming, and if you're hearing this and you want to come next year, it's a, it's a great organization. Yeah. Join up. Join yep. up. Come. Yep. Join we up. support a lot of great, right. whether it's wildlife conservation, whether it's youth hunting. I mean, and just, just tonight we're going to have some great auction items and have a good meal and have a good time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I was, it's always a fun time. I was listening to some of the projects and some of the things that you guys put money towards, and I think that's really great. I mean, there's, it's all of its positives for the yep. state and for bow hunting. Yeah. I mean, one of our things, um, when we first approached the commissioners to see if we could get a commissioner's elk tag to raffle, was... We had heard from various people in the field that they needed money for small projects. And we have stuck to that value from the beginning, that all the money, I mean, every single penny goes back. And sometimes we actually put general fund money out of our, our budget, our savings account, into projects too, if we see it, deem it, you know, worthwhile, you know, because we get such good projects and stuff. Again, you know, today it was voted on all, we had raised $30,000 through the um, raffle and uh, put it all back into projects. And just, uh, we awesome. just, yeah, we just. And to f- highlight that project, what that is, is the commissioners in the state get elk tags, right? And it's not hundreds, it's limited elk tags, and they're good for the whole state for the season. And they get to turn around and auction those off to typically somebody who wants to come from out of state. I mean, it could be somebody in state as well, but somebody bought one tag for $30,000, and all that money came to BOW, right? Nope, um, a little bit different. Okay. So we had a, uh, that would, that would be a, it was a raffle. So you could buy, we had um, uh, 600 tickets at $50 a ticket. 
and so whoever won that, so in state, out of state. Perfect. Now we we um, a couple of years ago we had one person right off the bat when it was announced called and said, "Have you sold any of the raffle tickets?" And it was the first morning, and they bought them all, twenty five thousand dollars worth. Wow. So we we limited it because we wanted it to be fair for everybody, and so we limited it to you can buy ten a day. So that has that. That's good. But. So, but what I found out when I got here is that another commissioner graciously given us another tag and we will be doing a raffle on that one. And that was part of the business thing. And that's probably what you picked up on, David, is that there will be a raffle or an auction. I'm getting my terms mixed up. We are going to do a uh, auction with that other tag. Um, I don't know all the particulars on that. So no, I yeah. think it's, it's, it's a great good. way for, cause, cause that tag, if it was just to go through the state is a thousand dollar tag, non-resident and a $50 resident tag. So there's some really good funds behind. Yes. You know, and you know, um, this year, uh, a lot of the funding went to, uh, some youth programs mm-hmm. and to different studies and projects. Uh, we talked about the second, the money from the second one. We want to be more on the ground, uh, sagebrush treatment, fence removal, water guzzlers, things of that nature. So we'll go, we'll send back out to the BLM, the Forest Service, uh, like uh, up in Sheridan County. We have the Sh- uh, Sheridan County Community Land Trust, and they do a lot of fence removal projects each year. And so I gave them, we'll give them a heads up on that. Um, but yeah, it's statewide. So if you know anyone out there, you hear this uh, podcast and you know any organization that's doing stuff for wildlife, you're eligible. So uh, cool. contact us. That's great. And it's cool because, I mean, you got you have you guys. We were just at the Muley Fanatic 10 Chapter Banquet, what, a week ago, something like that. And I mean, they, they also auctioned off a, a commissioner's tag. They're putting a lot of money into mule, mule deer research, you know, wildlife crossings, that kind of stuff. You guys are doing a lot of that work too, you know, supporting I think that. that tag so. went for 27000 live while we were there. Yep. So, so that's about good. what they're bringing. That's what they're worth. Yep, they are. So if somebody did want to contact Bowhunters Wyoming, what's the best place, way, how to get a hold of someone? Probably get online and, and look up our website. Type in your search engine, Bow Hunters of Wyoming, and the website will pop up, and there's all sorts of contact information there. Get a hold and, of your area rep for wherever your project is, and maybe yeah. talk to him, and then they'll pass it up to Flagpole. Yeah. yeah. And then you guys are on the socials, too, so like I follow everything that's going on on Instagram and Facebook, so that's another good way to get in touch with the with the group too yes and uh i'm i'm one of those uh, as i mentioned earlier not not on air here but i'm 64 and uh i uh, i try to stay away from that kind of stuff i just <laughs> get retired my, and but, getting to enjoy hunting but all my fall. wife my wife is on the bow hunters of wyoming uh, instagram and she's always did you know you guys are doing this and i'm like no <laughs> <laughs> i feel like i am now yeah um, yeah, and so, you know, not being the area rep last year, I sort of took some time out, but, you know, I'm going to have to probably get back on Instagram because, you know, like you said, it's a good mixture of old and young, and before it was always phone calls, and now it's it's social media, you know, and I mean, that was, you know, that was brought up today, too, um, when they did the Dan yep. Card and South Cox and Aaron Snyder up there, and and a lot of talk about social media, good and bad, yeah. and what it's done for to and for hunting. You know, I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, not all of it's good, not all of it's bad. So I think we're waiting our way through social media 
and stuff as as time goes on and you know i mean how long have podcasts been around i mean and, and they're great mm-hmm. i mean you guys have been having some fantastic people on your podcast you know i don't know uh, i'm jumping on here and i'm like wow what's the, what's going on they uh, <laughs> my wife pay you guys or what <laughs> oh come on now you're no, a great we enjoy having you so what are some uh, hunts you're looking forward to this year um I'm going to put in for Kansas. My brother helps out a guy down there, like putting up tree stands and stuff, and it's a great area. I've hunted it once. I didn't, I didn't shoot one. Um, saw some, saw some nice ones. My brother's harvested several down there. I didn't draw last year, um, so with the preference point, more than likely I'll draw this year. You know, I don't have any big hunts on the horizon. I'm hoping I draw again to hunt with my son. It was so much fun uh, hunting with him and. I, I did a couple things that he said, you can't get away with that. Uh, I have a cow elk decoy, and we got onto a herd of elk, and I just walked right out in the middle of the thing and set it down and crawled backwards, and he goes, because I was going out, and he's, what are you doing? You're going to scare Because it was a nice six-point bull in there. They didn't even move. I mean, they stand there because they're expecting leg movement behind it, and so I just crawled out eight yards, put the decoy up, and, and then I called in that herd, and... He missed the bull. Um. <laughs> and you know what? It, it's just like hooking a big fish, a big uh, laker, getting it right to the boat and breaking it off, right? It's Those stories are the ones that will stand the lifetime, and that's yeah. half the – if you would have got the elk, good for you. You guys went and killed a big six-point. You get to in five years go, hey, remember what I called that whole herd in and that bull right there, and, and you didn't get it done? Yeah, that was awesome. So, you know, I've killed a lot of elk in my lifetime and stuff, and so hunting with my son, and he, you know, he's uh, taken several six-by-fives, but never killed a true six-by-six with a bow, one with his rifle. But uh, So I'm going to tell you a real quick elk story. Do we have time? We do. So... So we hunted together quite a bit, and he missed that one. And what happened is it just kept coming across the clearing, and he's standing out in front of a spruce like he should, but it got so far to his left that his, his sight bow and bow come in the into spruce. the pine. Yeah. And we got back on the herd again, and, and I did the same thing, crawled out while some cows are watching me, set up the decoy again, and uh, we had, I could see elk legs coming by, and I'd seen him draw like three or four times, but it was four spikes in a row walked out oh, right in front man. of him. And he thought for sure, because we'd seen the six point bail down into there and I had the cows out to the left of me but so this is a couple weeks later now and uh, we we got on we found a stud bull he was a 7 one side and then he had a big old drop club on his left and his brow he had a brow tine that stuck out probably 24 inches on the left side and then his main beam came back there's nothing on it it was just like a 40 inch spike spike that's awesome and we, uh, I called that thing in to 60 yards on him probably four or five times, and he's self-imposed about 45, 50 yards. And we just, we messed with this bull for a week. So he's a school teacher, so we'd messed with it. He comes back up. This was like the 22nd or 23rd. It was, it was the 23rd. Getting towards that's the end it. of season. Yeah, yep. it's the 23rd because that's the day I killed my bull. Duh. Um, I'm not the brightest uh, light bulb here, but uh, anyway. <laughs> Anyway, so we go out on this point, find the herd. They come out of the sagebrush and into this area that we've been in on them several times already. And so he's he's heading down there, and I'm going to give him hand signals off this big old rock um, pile that I'm on. And he gets down there, and I, I watch him for like 300 yards, and then he's level with the elk, and he should be going in. And I'm looking, 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 can't see him. Finally, about 15 minutes later, I catch him. He's like 500 yards below the elk. It's a big, long route. And I see him put his 
binoculars down go like this. Just as I caught him and he walks in the woods, well, he didn't get any signal from me or anything like that. So I'm like, oh, crap. So I'm just setting up there, setting up there, and it's been about an hour, and all of a sudden a cow comes just shooting out of the woods back to where they had come from. This point goes out like this and drops off both ways. and goes up on the, and here's that bull on her butt. And he runs out about 200 yards out there, and he stops, and you can just see the look in his face like, oh, I got cows back there. So he runs back, picks up those cows, and comes out and follows this cow who went around the corner into this other woods down below me. Well, here they all come running in there, and I'm like, well, I'm going to have to go after them because, and all of a sudden he goes in the woods, and it just erupts. Here there's another herd of elk in there. Oh, boy. And there's another big, probably about a 320 class six point, and he comes out, and he's screaming, and he chases another small six point out, and a four point, and a couple of cows out in this clearing down below me. And I'm talking a scree field. I'm up on a top of this scree field. There's a little timber at the bottom of the scree, and then a big, long north south running uh, finger of um, sagebrush. And then they're in, they're in the timber on the other side. Well, he comes out a couple times just screaming, and you can hear cows mewing. So the cows got mixed, and it's just a madhouse in there. And I'm like, oh, I gotta get down there. So I'm getting down there, and I get to the edge of the timber off the bottom of the scree and an elk bugles up behind me where I just come from and then I can hear another one to my left and and I got to go way down I can't I know I can't cross because I can see elk jittering all over so I have to go way down about 200 yards to my left to get around this open area and get over to them so just when I hit the the very corner I run right into another bull, and I, I saw horns, and I saw legs, and I saw body, but I don't know even how big he was, and I spooked him. This other one's still bugling up above me, and he sounds like a decent bull, and I think he's just bedded up there, because he never, he bugled the whole time, because this is like an hour event here, doing all this, coming down through a scree, trying to be quiet, trying not to be seen, and these elk are just still going crazy down below me, you know. You want to get there as fast as you can, but you don't want to screw things up, because it's mm-hmm. like... So I finally get around it, and I'm coming in, and I, I get up into this little thing of timber, and it's a series of shelves. And here in this open area down below me stands that, that non-typical bull with nine cows. And I'm like 80 yards from him, and I'm like, oh, my, this might work. And then to my right, I saw some elk coming right to me through the trees. And here it's a, uh, that four-point that that six-point had kicked out earlier and two cows, and they run into me, and they turn around and go straight back. They just knew something was up. They didn't see me that well, and, I, and it didn't bother him. But about that time, that other, you know, 320, 330 class six-point comes flying down off the upper shelf right behind this non-typical and goes over the next shelf down. Well, that non-typical turned around and followed him over the shelf, and they're just both screaming. So I'm like, okay. So I have to back around again, get down on the lower shelf, and I'm going. And just as I was going in the trees, I look over, and here steps out another bull behind those nine cows, about 100 yards behind him. And just the hoarsest bugle in the world. And I could tell he was a six by five. He was missing his uh, fifth point on the, the right side. Just this guttural bugle, and he's just screaming. He's got a couple cows with him. So he's on this shelf up here, but I drop down a shelf, and I'm going, and I can hear those bulls bugling down below me, and I assume it's the two big ones, but they're slightly moving away from me, and I'm trying to catch them, and I get even with this growler up on the hill above me, and I could, there's a big deadfall there, and I said, go down a shelf or go up and crawl through and see if 
that if you can how close that bull is so i crawled underneath a couple of spruce trees on my hands and knees it was you know and i come up and there he is 38 yards away and uh, he's got his butt to me and he's got three cows there and he's licking on one and i know there's cows back behind me to my right and those others are screaming down here and and a cow turns and he turns broadside starts following her and when his head went behind the bush i was going to do a cow call to stop him what came out was more like a bullfrog <laughs> i mean i i startled myself i actually paused because i was like oh what the is that sorry about this um the mice. and uh and so he stopped and i already knew what distance he was i pulled back and things were just so settled and smooth i mean it was just like oh the pin's right there you should probably re boom the arrow's gone you know and uh hit him and i must have hit the offside shoulder because uh about oh eight inches the arrow was sticking out but i i couldn't have went up and placed it any better and he bailed off the hill and so i just sat there for the next um 30 minutes and just listened to the one bedded up behind me still bugling two or three down below still hmm. bugling and i knew i didn't get the great big one but you know that's still so cool it was just so cool so so, so i do have one question yeah you, you talked about taking your boy, and what would be some advice of somebody who's wanting to get into this and get their kids into it? What would what would be a couple things you'd, you'd suggest? Where to start? Good question, but I'm going to finish one thing and Go another ahead. thing. Go ahead. So I thought he went downhill. Well, he did about three steps and then went to the right, so your mind can be deceiving, but he went out and died in a nice sagebrush park, but that was really steep. At 64, it's pretty hard to roll an elk over. <laughs> I had the first half butchered in about 15 minutes, and uh, I took an hour to roll him over to get the rest off. So anyway, so yeah, there was a comedy of errors, but yeah, and I took I took half of it out before, and then the next day we took the other half out. So so at 64, you know, my new pack worked perfect. It didn't hurt my back at all or anything. That's so great. anyway, so when when my kids were younger, uh, my wife traveled a lot. She worked for the state and was all over the state for nursing things and stuff. And I mean, I took them out really young and I, I bugled in a bowl once where they I put them back behind me and, so, and we were in a great big aspen thicket and those little junipers grow up and I had them under there I had a bull come down walk over and was peeking his head over at him I mean nose to face was probably two feet wow and hit that bull would lift his head up and look around and then he'd look back at him as two little boys you know I think they were four and six at the time and, they're so scared they don't want to move and, and they're like no, when they finally ran off, they both stand up. Why didn't you shoot him? You know, right over the top of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So, so I mean, those memories, and that's one of the things that they recall. They recall everything that ever happened, a bull bugling in. I mean, you, you know, take them out. I mean, what age are, I guess, I guess, take them out at any age. I mean, I had to. I went hunting with them, and, I mean, they were in on a moose kill with me. They were in on several different kills. Um, antelope hunting in a blind when they were really small, you know. So one of them was turned into be an avid hunter, and then he quit. Now he's, I mean, he's down. Uh, he fishes every day, so I mean that's his passion. He's, it, I never, he never wanted showed any interest in fly fishing growing up whatsoever. And in the last, I mean, 
he's all over the state of Colorado. He lives in Fort Collins. He's always, he camps at Miracle Mile in January in the back of his truck. You know what I mean? So and now my other son, um, he had less interest and then uh, he uh, pretty avid now, but he also loves to hunt with a rifle, which I never showed to either of them. So it's sort of an interesting thing of how they grow up and become their own person and stuff. But I exposed them early to everything. And they they really think, they, they know now, because like Lane's a school teacher. And even kids, when he was a teacher in Sheridan, now he's a teacher at Tongue River High School in Dayton. There's kids that are in our communities that have never been up in the mountains. You know, never cooked a hot dog over a campfire and watched yeah. the stars at night. That's like, yeah, yeah. so that, they, that's a normal they, life for Patrick and you they, and me. You're right. They form, so yeah, they had outdoor adventure programs in the high schools and you know, say yeah, you know, you probably been up here. No, I've never been on the mountain. Never slept in a tent. Yeah, so <laughs> we live in a tent. Yeah, so they go, you know, take them climbing and do all sorts of stuff. And, and uh, so, so yeah, sponsor a kid. Take a kid outdoors, your kid, somebody's kid. Yeah, you know, and and even if it's not hunting, take them just outdoors. Let them appreciate what's out there. So we used to take kids, uh, most of Kyle's friends, Kyle hung out with a bunch of kids that were not outdoor parents. And so we took them up like uh, cross-country skiing and stuff, and I'd dig a hole down to the ground, and we'd put seats in it and uh, cook hot dogs with you're in a snow bowl, you know, and things like that. And those kids, you know, when I see them out, yeah, I remember when we went up and cooked <laughs> hot dogs and you dug down and, and started a fire. I mean, I look back and we probably only cross keep cross country ski 300 yards into the woods and they're like, all right, can we have the hot dogs yet? You know, <laughs> yeah. but, but now they all, you know, they're all outside. They're all out doing awesome. stuff and they know that there's a value to our outdoors. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing is if we, you know, hunting, fishing, camping, just cooking a marshmallow out over a fire and seeing, you mentioned it, seeing the stars, yep. getting them in a tent. You know, that's, you know, it doesn't have to be that you take them hunting. You just show interest in them and that there is stuff other than uh, a phone well or a video said. game. Well said. Because, I mean, it is about getting them off the screens and getting them out into the outdoors, unplugging to actually plug in, right, to get out and enjoy nature. So really appreciate that, man. And it's always good to have you on the show. It's a pleasure. I love your stories. Love to get to hang out with you and visit and catch up. Again, we need to do it more than once a year, though. Absolutely. You know, uh, you know, we talked about fishing last year. Um, maybe, maybe yeah. I can get it done. That'd be good. That'd be great. You shoot me a text and let me know when you're coming this way. So. All right. Sounds great. All right, man. And, and good me. luck to you guys and and your future. And uh, I know you're Thank taking you. your kids out. And and what I enjoy is is uh, messing with them. <laughs> yeah. It is fun. Yeah, you all, you guys almost sold all your glassware and uh, bow spider stuff for ten bucks today. So you know, <laughs> it was it was close. I almost had the deal done. And the I deal ten bucks. Yeah, Can yeah. I have this much? Well, you got to look at the pictures right here on the back wall, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, I, the first thing I saw when I come in, it's the, the kids. It's, it's about the kids. The dad's smiles are bigger than the kids. Because <laughs> we love those kids. Yeah, that's well, for sure. Well, on that antelope hunt, I taking the older one mule deer hunting i just got back from kodiak goat hunting on on the big boy trip and the little one goes dad i want to go hunting and i said all right bud what do you want to go hunting for and he says in his little voice antelope not antelope 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 and i'm like uh guess what i got a doe tag him and i went he's on my shoulders we got some pictures we spotted the 
antelope. I messed up and didn't onyx drop them before we left the truck. I was about three fingers off. So we did about a 1,700 yard antelope stock. And I keep asking him while he's on my shoulders, can you see him yet? Can you see him yet? It's like, yeah, yeah. And I actually look up and they're about 120 yards in front of us. So he could see them. And obviously we got one and he, I mean, touching the eye and the fur and helping with the process. And he's got his own little knife and he wanted to go. And now it's like, dad, can we go again? When are we going? And that fire's lit at a young age. Yeah, Yeah. that's good. I think it was Rock Springs last year. You had your daughter down there, Patrick. And uh, she she was so fun to just, you know, she knew I was messing with her all the time, but just the (laughs) smile and, you know, pretty soon within, you know, an hour and a half, she's messing with me back. And I mean, I love when kids are able to relate to adults that way. That means that they, you know, they're their own individuals. They're self-confident. They're, you know, and and I love that. So, and and your son here today is doing the same. Yeah, he's a, but, he's a good one. All right. <laughs> well, thanks again, Rick. And uh, I'm sure we'll have you on next year to talk about your next season. I mean, it's, it's just, it's become the annual Rick Parrish show. And I, and I like Parrish it. Rick episode. I like it, too. Yeah, I like well, it. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. And uh, I have fun doing it. All right, man. Until next time. Thanks again for listening to the Radcast Outdoors podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. If so, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast and subscribe, share, and give us a five-star rating, which really helps other people find the show. You can find all of our shows, recipes, giveaways, videos, and much more at radcastoutdoors.com. While you're there, please help support the show by purchasing a Radcast Outdoors shirt or hat. Please don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We also have a Radcast community on Facebook called Radcast Nation. And we'd love for you to join in the conversation there. And of course, please help support our sponsors who make this show possible. Thank you again to PK Lures, Bow Spider, and High Mountain Seasonings. Until next time, get out there and enjoy the outdoors.